Hello and welcome everyone to our 68th session of Alocasa. My name is Michael and today I'm talking to Beth Townsend from South Costa Blanca in Spain. Together with her husband, Beth is the owner of Spanish Dream Property, which is a real estate find and helps local and international property buyers to find the dream property in South Costa Blanca. Hello, Beth. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much for being on the show. And um, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Yes. Hello. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Beth, Beth Townsend. Um, together with my husband, Dave, we run Spanish Dream Property, which is a property finding company. In other words, we work for the buyer, not for the seller. So uh, we help you find the right property at the right price in the right location, rather than just sell you what we've got on our books. Because we never list properties direct because that would be a conflict of interest as far as we're concerned. Uh, we started Spanish Dream Property in 2010 mm -hmm. and um, well, it's ha, ha, been very enjoyable to help people find their dream homes oh. after we were able to find our own. Absolutely. Um, how did everything start? I've had family in Spain for decades, um, so it was always my second home, always went backwards and forwards. And in 2006, we bought our first property of our own in mm -hmm. Spain. And uh, it became obvious to us that the, the biggest problem was that you're trying to buy a property from the UK, you're relying all the time on estate agents, mm -hmm. uh, sending you information, asking them questions. But at the end of the day, an estate agent works for the vendor um, and not for the buyer. So they're always approaching everything from a sales perspective, not from the perspective of how to help the buyer. Mm -hmm. um, we found our property, we're very, very happy with it. We've still got it. It's actually a we use it ourselves a lot, our family use it, and it's also a very successful holiday let. Um, I was working uh, as a freelance property finder in the UK alongside another business we were running at the time. And in 2008, that came to an abrupt end though, because of the um, collapse in property market. Mm -hmm. So for a couple of years, I, I was sort of out of property finding, but in the meantime, started almost by default helping people we knew or friends of friends with finding property in Spain. And we realized there was a gap in the market. So we did a lot of research, um, spoke to a lot of people, sourced uh, some good contacts in Spain that were reliable, experienced um, and legal. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and we set up Spanish Dream Property and it's just gone from there. Got it. Um, tell us a little bit about the process when you really uh, bought it. Was it uh, what were the obstacles, and what what else? What is also the process itself? Uh, when people come to us, they're often inquiring about a property that they've seen online. Mm -hmm. um, but when we talk to them, you'll quite often find that the property they first inquired about was actually just a general inquiry. It's not really necessarily the property that. Um, they would travel over to Spain to see. So our job is very much to sort of take people's hands, work out what their priorities are, talk to them about locations in particular, because you can fall in love with a house, but if it's in the wrong location, it will never be right for you. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really important that people understand the difference between living on the coast, living close to the beach, living in a Spanish village or um, 
compared to a resort or living out in the campo in the countryside and all those have a different elements about them mm -hmm. um so uh, do do the people want to live there full-time part-time is it going to be just for a few weeks of the year or are they going to live there for five six months of the year are the family going to use it are they going to let it out uh, for the times when they're not using it all these things are factors that need to be taken into account and will influence what is the right property for that person to buy some are looking for a relocation mm -hmm. so you're looking for a permanent long-term home which is very different from looking at say a holiday home mm -hmm. uh, so it, it's finding out what people want helping them uh, come to terms with what their priorities are, but also keeping it realistic in terms of what they can get for the, for the money they have available. It's no good selling somebody a, a dream of a 250,000 euro detached property with a private pool if they can't afford it. We've, we've got to find the best for their budget. And sometimes that, that means it, you know, people have to rethink the location or, you know, because you can afford more inland than you can on the coast. But if they want the coast, maybe that's more important to them and they're prepared to scale back on the property a bit. So it's all, there's always compromises when you're buying a property. And a lot of my job is working out um, with the client, obviously, with, with them, what really are the most important factors of their new house for mm -hmm. them, their new home. When we look at the um, area you are operating in, can you give us an overview of what I can expect as a potential buyer um, of the towns, the areas, neighborhoods? Um, because you laid it out quite well right now, like coast versus non-coast, for example, um, maybe emerging areas, but also maybe more expensive areas. Yes, I mean, we cover the South Costa Blanca and the Marmanor area of Murcia, which is just slightly further south, just across the border. What you can buy does vary tremendously for the same money in, from one town to another. Generally speaking, the closer you are to the coast, the more it's going to cost. But there are exceptions to the rule. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at being in one of the most popular locations at the moment, it's the Orihuela Costa. It's featured quite a lot on the television. Um, places like La Fenia, which is famous for its big shopping centre. So it's a mm -hmm. big draw. And it's also got a lot of blue flag beaches around there. So Orihuela Costa is La Fenia, Playa Flamenca, Cavaroig. Villa Martin, uh, those sort of areas, you're going to pay more to be there than you would, say, just slightly further south by the Marmanor in Santiago de la Ribera, which is a quieter area in winter. Um, the advantage of Orihuela Costa is it's very residential, so everything stays open. Mm -hmm. But the closer you are to the coast, the more you're going to pay for an identical property. So a three-bed townhouse quad house will cost you anything from 110 to 160,000 on mm -hmm. the Orihuela Costa depending on the size of the property whereas if you went uh, down to Santiago you could knock 20 30,000 off that if you went inland by 15 minutes again you can knock 20 30,000 off that price mm -hmm. so uh, the big towns like Torreviaca, Guadamar de Segura they're very much still working Spanish towns. So they tend to be 
or apartments because that's traditionally what the Spanish live in in towns is mm -hmm. apartments, very small balconies because they socialize outside, you know, rather than have people over to for a barbecue on the terrace mm -hmm. in Spain, you all go out for a meal all ages, often late at night. That's what attracts people, the family. Um, the way the Spanish are just mm -hmm. so multi-generational in what they do. The whole family go out for the evening from the toddler to great-grandma and have a meal together and socialise with friends and family in the squares. Um, whereas the British are a little bit more... Uh, um, well, people, we go to each other's houses. Yeah. We might go out for a meal, but then we go back to each other's houses. So yeah. the British like to have a lot of outside space. Mm -hmm. Uh, we have a lot of Scandinavian clients, and they always say the same thing. They always say we want winter sun uh, on our terrace. Mm -hmm. So, again, they tend to like a lot of outside space compared to the Spanish. A Spaniard would never buy a south-facing home, but mm -hmm. if you're there in the winter and you're looking at using your property more in the winter, then you're going to want uh, a south, southeast, southwest-facing property to maximise the winter sun. If you're living there all year round, you probably wouldn't want a south-facing property because it just gets too hot in summer. Mm. How is right now the situation with the coronavirus uh, down there? Um, uh, what's the impact? Sorry, can you say that again? Absolutely. Uh, what's right now the situation down there with respect to the coronavirus and COVID-19? Yes, I mean, like most European countries, Spain's on lockdown. Um, there are very strict rules about when you can go out and what you can go out for. Uh, all the hotels are shut, the bars, restaurants, all that sort of thing is shut. You're only allowed to go out to walk your dog or visit the supermarket, the pharmacy. There is some um, other jobs going on where people can social distance while they're at work because they work outside. Mm -hmm. uh, Sort of building sites, that sort of thing, and essential workers, obviously, um, all the medical staff. But uh, in terms of, you know, for the average person who doesn't work within the medical profession or the construction, then it's very much stay at home, and it's going to be like that until at least the middle of May. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, that does mean, of course, that no one can view property at the moment. Yeah. But uh, that. That doesn't mean to say you can't look online and start refining what you like, what you don't like, get ideas, that sort of thing. So we're working a lot with people at the moment who would normally have flown out, say, over Easter, but uh, obviously couldn't. But we're still working on refining their criteria yep. so that when they do go out, it's very, very specific. Do you have any, I know it's, it's a very generic question, but still, do you have any um, areas which you recommend right now at this moment for potential home buyers from overseas which have a certain pattern when they buy properties or when they look for properties down in that area yes i mean it, it again it depends why they're buying them but if you're looking at a long-term investment mm -hmm. um aspect then at the moment buying 15 minutes inland is still a very, very good opportunity. Prices have gone up a lot on the coast. Mm -hmm. In fact, certain types of property have recovered their pre-2008 crash prices. Very few, but there are certain ones that have the, the high demand properties. But if you're looking for um, something which uh, you're only going to use for a holiday, a two-bedroom apartment, 
it's worth looking that sort of 10-15 minute drive inland because you can still pick up real bargains there mm -hmm. uh, but the prices are going up or were before coronavirus hit uh, prices have been steadily increasing in South Costa Blanca it was one of the places that recovered early after the 2008 crash mm -hmm. uh, where they started the New, build, new building again started in around 2012, which was ahead of most of Spain. Mm -hmm. So it, it's recovered well. Got it. But it, the bargains are in the resales, not in the new builds, very definitely in the resales. Um, when you look back at your own process when you acquired the property, what are steps which you took and also what are advices which you would like to give potential home buyers when they decide to buy overseas in Spain? First of all, um, Spain has very high uh, cost for buying and for selling as well. So it's important you get it right first time because of the costs involved. If you then decide that what you bought was the wrong property, you've wasted a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, so it's very important people understand the costs involved. Um, in South Costa Blanca, the uh, tax on purchase of any property is 10% of the property value. Mm -hmm. On top of that, you're going to have your uh, conveyancing costs, your land registry, your notary fees, that sort of thing. So you're looking at another two and a half to three thousand euros on top of your your tax. Mm -hmm. So it's not cheap to buy in the, to to buy a property in Spain, anywhere in Spain. Murcia is slightly less taxed; it's eight percent, not ten percent. So slight slight saving there. So you have to be realistic about the cost of buying, and take that into account when you're actually setting your budget. Now. The other thing to bear in mind is you need to know what you want before you go and look because it's very easy to get carried away by something that looks wonderful. And I've heard many stories of people I've spoken to who weren't clients of ours where they say, oh, I just got carried away and I've really overstretched myself financially. It's important that you don't mm -hmm. do that. Um, so, so that, that does matter. Be realistic about what you can afford because this is supposed to be a dream, not a nightmare. You don't want to put yourself in a situation where you've overstretched yourself financially. Mm -hmm. So we, that's something we work a lot with with people is, is finding what they want within their realistic budget mm -hmm. and stopping people sort of getting carried away with overspending. If they want to set the budget up, fine, but we always say, well, you know, you set the budget at 150,000, you know, that property is quite a bit over. We'll show it to you if you want, but don't go and look at it if you can't afford it yep. because you're, you're being unfair on yourself then. Yep. Um, so that there are a lot of sort of tips that we found where people have made mistakes that we spoke to people before we bought. One was a lot of people say, oh, you know, I love the idea of being out in the country. And that they've never lived in the country themselves in any country. Mm -hmm. So would being in the middle of nowhere really suit them when they're so used to having a shop just around the corner and neighbours to chat to? Mm -hmm. um, if you're an older couple, it's worth bearing in mind that you may not be able to carry on driving. So you mm -hmm. don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're car reliant and you can't drive. Mm -hmm. Generally, properties out in the campo take longer to sell as mm -hmm. well. They tend to be on the market for longer than properties in coastal 
resorts or in Spanish towns. Mm -hmm. So people need to think about exit strategy as well in years to come. Mm -hmm. You know, how easy is that property going to be to sell at a later date mm -hmm. if you need to sell it? Mm -hmm. The other thing to we've, we've come across with people doing is um, when they go out to Spain, they haven't looked at the areas on a previous visit. So that, mm -hmm. uh, and you see this quite a lot on television programs, you know, the presenter will say, you've not been to this region before. And they go, no, but we've looked at it online. You have to visit locations first um, to see what they're like for you. And if you've got the time, go at different times a year, because the way somewhere is in December is going to be very different to how it is in July and August. Mm -hmm. So bear in mind when you're going to be at your property, if it's, if it's a permanent home, you've got to be happy to live there all year round with and without the tourists. If it's a holiday home, then, you know, what if you're there in the winter, are the facilities still open? Some places do shut down very much in winter. So if you're using it in winter time, you want to be in a place where there's a high residential popula population. Mm -hmm. So the shops and the restaurants and the businesses are all still buzzing and open um, through the winter months. But if you're looking at renting out the property to a holiday market, then there are a lot of considerations to take into account because you're, you've got to very much buy with your head as well as your heart. Mm -hmm. You're buying a business proposition and you need to bear that in mind. Um, let me break down all the things you just said. It, you gave us a lot of information for, for different aspects. The fees and expenses. You mentioned that uh, people sometimes tend to overstretch. For, my first question is, what's the main purpose people are buying? Is it rather for permanent stay or is it for holiday purposes on their own? If so, are they also then renting them out when they are not there? Well, um, most people who have overstretched actually are buying a holiday home from mm -hmm. what I can make out, and then they end up renting it when they possibly didn't plan to. But the problem throughout Spain is to rent a property now, you must have a legal letting license. Yes. Now, in some parts of Spain, that's easier to get than others. Um, in Alicante, the regulations are really strict. So people who were able to let their properties out before the regulations came in now find that their property doesn't comply with the regulations. Mm -hmm. um, a silly, simple example is, is what a lot of people say is a very silly rule. Now, whether it is silly or not is relevant, it is a rule. Mm -hmm. And that's the size of the bathroom. The bathroom has to be 4.5 meters square, your main bathroom. So if your bathroom is smaller than that, you won't get a rental license unless you can get an exception. Mm -hmm. When licenses first came in, um, you didn't have to have one unless you had more than five properties. And then it came down to if you had two properties and eventually it came down to having one. We actually already had our property license before that happened because we saw the changes coming and it was a really easy straightforward process to do the license back then in 2015 in the summer of 2015 licenses became compulsory now it's totally fair to say the vast majority of people who are renting out their properties didn't get a license at that stage mm -hmm. there was panic stations three years later when the authorities started to clamp down on 
illegal lengths. And the fines are tens of thousands of euros. They are massive. So it really isn't worth the risk mm -hmm. of letting out that property without a license. And now the licensing system is far more complicated um, and can take many months to go through. So if people are looking to buy a property um, to rent out to the holiday market, they need to bear in mind that it's got to comply with the regulations in terms of room sizes, ceiling heights, um, equipment, uh, location. You may not, you can't just get a license on any property. Got it. Um, if it hasn't already got a license, then you need to allow yourself at least a year to get it. Wow. Okay. That's a long time. Okay. Um, apart from that, expenses, maintaining a property, obviously it always depends on the equipment and the facilities each property has. has. Uh, would you say there's a rule of thumb to say you should definitely has, have still cash at hand for your property to, to maintain it, be it a percentage of the property square food size or anything else where you say, please, you have to have like savings still on your bank account if you just own a property because things can always happen. Yes, so you've got to bear in mind that even if you're not using the properties, you're still going to have to pay your standing charge on your electricity, on your water. You're still going to have communal fees, um, your EB tax, which is like the, the British would call it a council tax, although it's quite relatively small in Spain. Um, but community fees vary immensely. If you're on a small community with just one pool and a few communal paths to maintain, your, your communal fees, even for a three-bed house, might be as low as 250, 300 euros a year. They're more likely to be closer to 500 to 600 euros a year. Mm -hmm. If you're on a golf course, you can double, even triple that amount. Wow. So it's important to um, know whether or not you've got any of those fees when you buy a property. If it's got any shared amenities at all, even if it's just um, communal hallways and lifts and staircases, there will be a communal fee because they have to be maintained. Mm -hmm. Financing. Um... Is there most of the property owners or potential buyers you are dealing with? Are they buying cash? Are they having their financing from the domestic country where they're coming from? Is their financing being provided in Spain? How does it normally work? A lot of people use um, inherited money mm -hmm. or they downsize their, their home in the UK. Um, we don't just deal with people in the UK, but UK and Ireland is the majority of our clients. So they, they downsize their property to release a large sum of money to buy the property in Spain. It is still possible to get mortgages in Spain on property. Um, generally, if you're a non-resident, that would be limited to 60 to 70% of the value of the property. Mm -hmm. um, and your age will influence how many years you can borrow that amount over. Absolutely. So most people are, these days are cash buyers or they've got the cash arranged. A lot of people release funds from pensions as well now. Okay, perfect. Um, the language barrier, I'm a little bit, uh, let's say, I'm curious about, because you just mentioned uh, very well that people are putting themselves into a situation where in which they were not aware of uh, what they're actually expecting or which, what they have to expect. My first question is, if I'm from a country and I, I don't speak Spanish, 
in that area of Spain, how easy is it for me to get around without sp speaking a word of Spanish, especially maybe during my first year when I when I anyway have a cultural shock and I don't know anyone and uh, maybe even the food is 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 not uh, not the foods I'm used to, whatever it might be. Um, what what is it in this area like? It's, first of all, it's very international. So uh, you've got people from all over Europe in South Costa Blanca. It's very mm -hmm. popular with all Northern Europeans, um, as well as with the Spanish. So you get so many different languages. What tends to happen is um, Spanish is the first language, but because the Scandinavians also, and the Dutch all speak brilliant English, English tends to be a second language mm -hmm. out in Spain. When you buy, it's important that you use a bilingual solicitor mm -hmm. and that everything that you sign has been officially translated into your mother tongue. So um, if, if, for instance, when we are using, um, if, if the buyer is English or Irish, there are, uh, we always say use the English bilingual, uh, Spanish bilingual with English solicitor. Mm -hmm. But if it's um, a Belgium client, for instance, um, then we would have to look to finding, um, say, a French-speaking solicitor, help them find a choice of French-speaking solicitors. We never recommend just one. The, the buyer must use a solicitor that is not linked in any way to the estate agents yep. and so quite often um, we'll recommend they contact two or three different solicitors that are not in any way really related to or work with that estate agent and then the buyer chooses themselves through that contact which solicitor they will work with but it will always be somebody who has um, the ability to talk to them in their own native language got it so that's really really important When you get to Spain, as I said, English is very much a second language in that area because it's uh, somebody from Sweden will speak English, but not necessarily Spanish. So they'll actually communicate with the Spanish and English, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so you will need to learn Spanish if you're going to live there. I'd always recommend that. But you don't necessarily need to be fluent before you get there. You can have lessons. And in actual fact, if you're going out and not working, then you've got plenty of time to give to those lessons. And it's something that you should prioritize when you get there. Got it. Okay, perfect. No, that's it so enhances life. If you, can, if you can speak to the Spanish people up and say, I want to integrate, well, you've got to get fluent in the language if you're going to integrate. And also you'll enjoy the fiestas more, you'll enjoy the culture more. Um, if you're able to go to places where um, away from the coast, on the coast you'll always find people who can speak English in the shops, in the bars, that sort of thing. But once you get away from the coast, you need to be able to speak Spanish. I also think it's super important if you move abroad, that should be also your motivation to indulge yourself into the culture which you find over there. Otherwise, you can stay at home and you find a, you get a good lamp and then you just feel the sun, the artificial sun uh, in, in, in your domestic country. So I think it's super important to, to, uh, to learn the language in order to really mingle with the local culture and also to get to, to, get to know. Well, if you're going to um, really get involved with living the Spanish lifestyle, you need to be able to speak Spanish. Um, you're never going to integrate if you don't, and you miss out on so much of the culture yeah. because you'll stay within the expat bubble rather than uh, experience Spanish life. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, you have a lot of clients and um, the way it sounds, you have a very strong community around this entire topic, around your service offerings. Um, give us an overview how everything uh, started around building your business and what also the obstacles were there in creating this community and how were also maybe your, how what's your secret sauce in order to become such a driving force for international people who want to buy in in, in this area? Why do people want to buy that? The weather, people are always drawn by the weather, but also by the culture, which they say they want to be a part of, so they have to speak the language. Running a business in Spain, um, a lot of people go to Spain to do that. And it's not easy to run a business anywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have to be uh, dedicated to what you do and to looking after your clients. With our clients, if they're moving to Spain to retire, they're looking for a different sort of lifestyle to those who are moving with families and they need schools, they need work. Um, and for those who are moving with a view to um, running a new business out there, then we, we do encourage them to do a lot of research with mm -hmm. regards to the business side of things first, which we can help to a degree, but they've got to um, know where they want to take it and know what they want to do with it. Absolutely. As you would with any business anywhere. So, yes, if you're moving to another country, either part-time or full-time, it's not something to do lightly. It's something you really need to, to think through and talk through. It's a fresh start, yes. It's exciting, yes. It's um, it's exhilarating in, mm. in many respects, but it's also a massive, massive pull on the heartstrings to leave your family in a different country and um, go, go and do something new for yourself. Got it. You um, are, first and foremost, you are property finder, but you're also expert what you just revealed about, for example, renting out your apartment as a home, uh, as a holiday, um, holiday home. What are all the services you are offering to potential real estate buyers in South Costa Blanca, apart from finding the real estate itself? Well, obviously our primary um, job is to find that right house for them. Mm -hmm. But because uh, we, we tend to stay in touch with our clients, we get to know them. Whereas you don't get to, a state agents don't get to know their clients. As a property finder, you do. Uh, you, you become friends with some of our old clients. You know, they're, they're now people we have dinner with. Mm -hmm. um, so there is a lot more to it. You're alongside them while they're going through the buying process, perhaps explaining things to them. You're helping them when they first get there to source new things for the house. They might uh, often say things like, well, we'd like a new table and chairs, but we can't afford a new one. Is there a good second-hand shop, you know, sort of where we yeah. can go? <laughs> so we'll, we'll take them to the second-hand shop, you yeah. know, and, and to a couple of good ones. We stay with them very much for the, those early days when they need to find a plumber or an electrician or um, some advice about whether they would need planning permission to put a shed up in the garden, yeah. that sort of thing. So it is a lot more than that. But if people are looking to rent out the property, then we will help them um, obviously get it set up as a rental property because they need to know um, 
how to do you know what is needed within the house how to do it they're going to need key holders they're going to need people to come in and clean to welcome the guests and the, so the registration process is quite long-winded and um there's you've also got to do a tax return every quarter if you don't live there and that sort of thing so it's important that they get it set up properly mm -hmm. and for all that you have a very special um pricing structure <laughs> give us an overview there <laughs> Yeah, our clients don't actually pay us direct. Um, with the estate agents that we work with, who are all very, very established um, estate agents, we have an agreement with them that if we find a buyer for their property, they have to pay us a percentage of their commission for selling the property. So the estate agent pays us, not our clients. Mm -hmm. um, so that works rather well. What we do after that is, is you know, sort of with helping them afterwards, sure. we don't charge for that's just part of the ongoing service you know we're there for as long as they need us awesome i mean that's a quite uh, interesting and impactful value proposition you're offering there um yes i mean if they don't buy a property we find for them and we're yeah. you know so we're arranging them to view then we don't get paid it's simple as that so there's there's a, a lot of motivation for us no, to find the best, the best match as it yeah. were for their budget You mentioned until now, you mentioned uh, Belgium, UK, Ireland, uh, Sweden as potential um, home buyers uh, from abroad. Um, mm -hmm. Is that your, are those your main clients or are there also clients from all different parts of the world? And if so, from, from where? Um, all over Europe, although uh, predominantly, as I said, England, Ireland and Norway and Sweden mm -hmm. and the Netherlands. Uh, but we do have um, French clients. I've got a couple of contacts who are fluent in French because I'm not. I, mm -hmm. I can read French. I'm useless at writing it. Um, so I, I call on people I know in Spain to do a lot of the work with them. I'll still do the property finding, but they'll they'll mm -hmm. meet them out there and um, actually show the properties and be able to speak to them in French, which I can't do. Uh, we, Italians, Germans, again, same um relationship i know people who speak their languages fluently or are native mm -hmm. of germany italy whatever so they can speak to them in their own language which is really important mm -hmm. and and um, we do actually have clients who already live in spain as well again all nationalities mm -hmm. occasionally spanish people come to us as well yeah. um because they're moving back to spain they haven't got time to fly backwards and forwards to yeah. um, sort things out so that they'll use somebody who's um, a property finder, even though they're Spanish themselves and maybe they're living in another country at the moment. Also got a couple of Canadian clients at the moment, mm -hmm. um, but that's a fairly new market. Yeah. Uh, the North American market is fairly new. I was about to ask you if you see like any trends within the last um, I don't know, year or two years that you say, okay, interestingly, there's like a, a certain country where I see like more demand coming from. And that's that's then North America, maybe? Yes, as I said, it's, it's sort of an opening up market now. Mm -hmm. um, we're getting a few inquiries coming in from Canada. Uh, the other group of people that we uh, tend to serve as well are British people who have been working abroad, uh, particularly around the Gulf states where they've lived in hot countries for some time with their work. They're now retiring. They don't want to come back to the UK, but they want to be relatively near family. So 
that instead of being sort of four or five hours flight flight away, they'd rather just be a couple of hours. So people who are returning after years of working in the Gulf states um, just don't want to come back to a cold, wet, windy Britain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they want to stay somewhere that's warmer. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. Um, is there anything I have to take care of when um, I expatriate when I go to Spain, maybe as a, as a person from the UK, um, I don't know, tax-wise, legal-wise, do I have to go to the um, to the local uh, municipality and uh, declare myself as being a resident over there? What do I have to take care of there? Yes, I mean, there is a process, obviously, for becoming a resident. Mm -hmm. You can stay in Spain um, for up to 90 days without mm -hmm. being a resident. After that, you do have to go and apply for residency. Um, we recommend that you get somebody to do this for you because it's, unless you're fluent in Spanish, filling out the forms can be a bit of a nightmare. Mm -hmm. uh, the Spanish are, are renowned for their red tape, for their forms, everything in triplicate. Um, you have to take a form from this department to that department. You mm -hmm. think, well, why you know it's no good asking why you just have to and then you have to go and pay the fee at the bank and then go back to the department to show that you've paid the fee so it for peace of mind and and stress levels we often say you know use a professional to do that side of things for you because compared to most countries it's, it's a relatively small fee mm -hmm. to at least do some of it so that you know that um you're 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 doing it correctly mm -hmm. If people are over there on holiday, the, the regulations over a holiday letter, the same as for a hotel, that, you, that the person who is responsible for checking you in must actually file your details with the with the uh, Guardia Civil. Um, so they will need to see your passport if it's a legal let that you're staying in. That's that's for guests staying at my, if, if I'm renting out, yes. you mean? Got it. Yeah. So even if you're going just to look for a property, um, if you're staying in a self-catering facility, you will um, actually be registered as staying in Spain on temporary basis with the Guardia Civil, or you should be, by the proprietor or the key holder of the property. Got it. And once One I... of the things we do do for our clients is actually, um, particularly in low season, we allow them to use our house. Um, we say as well you know there, there's a nominal fee because otherwise people would take advantage there's a nominal fee which sure. is refunded when you you complete your purchase and that just gives people the chance to sort of try before they buy you yeah. know stay in the community rather than stay in a hotel a lot of the bigger estate agents do viewing trips and these are often very very controlled environments where you stay in a hotel which is away from everything your assigned person will meet you straight after breakfast stay with you all day take you back to this fairly isolated hotel um in the evening maybe even have dinner with you so the only time you get to discuss things on your own is is, is late in the evening back in your hotel room we don't think that's a very fair way of operating. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we, if people want to stay in a hotel, fine, but we'll help them find um, self-catering accommodation that's close to bars and restaurants, the sort of place where they would actually be looking for properties so that they can wander around, talk to neighbours, 
Some people say that's a bit of a risk because they could walk into an estate agent that we don't work with and say we want to look at this property. But by the time they get there, we build up a bit of a relationship with them. And we do actually say, if you see a property when you're walking around that you want to see, let us know and we'll, we'll set it up for you. Or we'll do a bit of research for you. We often get uh, clients emailing us a property they've seen online and they'll say, well, we like the look of this. Can you find anything out about it? And I'll often turn around and say, you've noticed it's slightly cheaper than its neighbours. The reason is X, Y, Z. Nine times out of ten, it's, it backs onto a main road, actually. That, that's the, the biggest thing that estate agents hide in the photographs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wasn't aware of this of this uh, sales uh, process by, by other uh, real estate finders. Uh, who are locking you in a little bit and making sure that you're you're having you're having good company uh, all, all all day long. Um, I have one more question concerning the residency. So once I'm re a resident there, I'm then also tax resident, correct? You're a tax resident, whether you're a resident or not. If you spend more than six months of any twelve in Spain, got it. Okay, perfect. Is there anything else you would like to share with your audience? concerning buying real estate in South Costa Blanca and some good advices where you say, you know, please watch out for these things. You gave us a lot of tips already and you, I think your value proposition, by the way, is, is uh, impressive and it's, your service offering is amazing. Um, what are advices and tips you would like to pass on to potential home buyers? Um, so that they are making sure that they are not being trapped by anyone? Yes, I mean, the area is very, very um, varied in, you've, you've got Spanish towns, you've got resort towns. Um, generally, South Coast Blanca is low rise, but just a little way back, you've got villages. You've also got what they call urbanizations, which are the purpose-built um estates for want of a better phrase which can be very large and they are serviced usually with shops bars and restaurants now they don't have such a spanish feel so if you want to integrate with the spanish if you want a spanish culture then you need to be in a spanish town or a spanish village if you not that bothered, you just want the Mediterranean lifestyle, you know, living outside mm -hmm. um, in an international area, then urbanizations are fine. Um, you know, you'll, you'll find plenty of support there, but they're not Spanish culture. So you need to bear that in mind when you're looking at the area. Is it an international expat area? And there's probably 15 different nationalities living where I live on our community, our community is 78 houses. And I think we have 15 different nationalities wow. on that one community within 78 houses. It does include Spanish, but it does mean the community is not what I would call a Spanish community. Yeah. It's international. Absolutely. And that's very different to living in um, a Spanish village, which I would love to do, but I wouldn't then be able to rent the house out to holiday makers in the same way. Yeah. Um, living in a Spanish village, uh, which um, you're going to have siesta. You know, mm -hmm. the shops will shut in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. They won't open on Sundays. Um, it will be noisy. The kids don't go to bed until midnight in August. You know, So um, 
you you have to look at what you want and be realistic about do you want the spanish culture do you really want to live as a spaniard lives in a spanish town or, or do you want just a mediterranean lifestyle and both are valid both have their place and it's knowing which one is right for you that you make the right decision about where you buy i love this comment i love it so it's it's i think it's super valuable and um I, I really appreciate uh, the entire um, talk with you um, and all the insights you just gave us. How can people contact you if they would like to reach out to you? Our website is www.spanishdreamproperty.com or they can email us at info at spanishdreamproperty.com and we have a UK line, which is a UK number, so 0044, One six zero three four one five two nine six, and they can call that during office hours. Awesome! Um, I thank you so much for your for the information. I'll definitely put this in the um, contact details into the show notes and also into the description so that people can directly reach out to you. And Beth, um, I thank you so much for your time. Uh, it was uh, super interesting to talk to you because you have gone through all this process and you really know like what it takes to um, to settle there and also to to move there. And you know exactly like the ins out ins and outs um, from a from a buyer's perspective, which I think it's super valuable. And also, I really like the entire cultural thing that you definitely have to watch out for what you're putting yourself into and not like only buying. Um, an image which you see maybe on a website but really go there and figure out what's the neighborhood like and not um, you know not not buy blindly let's say um, mm. for me it was really really um, uh, insightful and I, I really appreciate your time thank you so much Beth thank you very much bye bye bye